It's been a couple weeks. You know, Mackis yeah. doesn't ever want to come on the show anymore. So. Yeah, Mackis is too good for us, guys. But this time, we really promise that we'll be on more regularly. We have some special stuff planned for our audience, and hopefully, Fresh Off the Bench continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yep. Well, do you want to get it started? Yes, we're probably going to talk about the biggest story in the NFL right now. Calvin uh, say, Ridley. Let's say that for Marcus. Say that for Marcus. All right. Okay. Uh, you want to get into college basketball stuff then? Sure. For a little bit. I'll make my power right. rankings. Oh yes, power rankings and conference tournaments start this week. Um, going to see the we're really going to see the NCAA picture come into focus. Uh, the number one seeds right now project are Gonzaga, Kansas, Arizona, and Auburn. Um, and then you have the, on the two line, you have like the Baylors, the Dukes, actually not Baylor, uh, not Duke, but uh, hold on, let me pull up the two line real quick. Um, yep, you have Wisconsin, Duke, Wisconsin. Yeah, I know. Wisconsin's pretty surprising, but they've turned it on lately. Kentucky and Auburn, sorry, is on the two line. The four one seeds are Kansas, Arizona, Gonzaga, and Baylor. Actually, Baylor's on the one line right now, according to ESPN Bracketology. Um, you know, I think this is about right, I guess. Baylor's the most overrated I mean, team in the country. I except for the Baylor thing, I know we, you and I both agree that they shouldn't be the one line. I think Kansas should replace them on that line. Um, you know, Baylor is just their depth really, really scares me right now. They're running a seven man rotation. Uh, Jonathan Chetchel is out for the season, so that's really going to hurt them. LJ Cryer has been injured, and we don't know when he's coming back. And that's their best three-point shooter. I mean, they really – I mean, besides the win from Kansas, they haven't really looked that great. They didn't really look that great um, against Iowa State. They they won by seven. You know, it, it was just it, – it really wasn't – there wasn't their best game at all. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they got out early in the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't either. I mean, they played well against us, which isn't, isn't saying much because it is – they are becoming a rival, so I don't. I don't know. I. I think I would burn all my Baylor stock if I had any. It just. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not that high on Baylor. 
I'm not that high on Purdue either. I know a couple of weeks on the show, a couple of weeks ago on the show, I was really, really high on Baylor. I thought what they were doing. Not, you know, they haven't really looked great in the couple of weeks that I've since I made that statement. Um, now they're they want they've gone from the one line to the three line. Uh, they lost by 24 to Michigan. They beat Maryland by one. They beat Northwestern by six. They lost to Wisconsin, lost to Michigan State, and beat Indiana by two. And Indiana may not even make the tournament. So, so they, have, they have Wisconsin on the, the two line? They have Wisconsin on the two line, according to ESPN Bracketology. Wisconsin's number 12 on the AP pool. They just moved out of the top 10. I don't know, man. So weird. I mean, they shared the conference title with uh, Illinois. That's probably why. I mean, and they yeah, beat but... Purdue. And they beat Purdue, so they just replaced Purdue on the two line, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of low on Purdue, also. Like, I love Johnny low. Davis, though. He's really yeah, good. I've remember. been low on Purdue, like basically all season. I mean, their defense is really, really concerning. It's like they have these stretches where they they just cannot get a stop. But I mean, they have insane talent. I mean, yeah, Jaden Ivey, Zachy Day, Travion Williams, Stefanovic. You got you got some you got some guys there. I mean, that may be enough. But if they get out in the first second round, I would not be surprised either. I mean, that's probably you know some early bracket advice. If you see Purdue against some solid mid major team. You probably want to take that mid-major team. Just saying. Some early bracket advice: If you see Kansas versus Gonzaga, you're probably going to want to take Kansas. Okay. All right. Let's not get into that right now. Zach um, Clemens is like if Chet Holmgren had a better jump shot and like 50 pounds. Okay, and so that is why Sky is known as Captain Capper, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of which, my power rankings are yes. ready. Let's hear the power rankings. Okay. At number 10, I have Purdue. Like it a lot. Continue. At number 9, I have Baylor. Like that too. Okay. At number 8, I have Wisconsin. Okay. At number 7, I have Tennessee. They've been Ooh. riding a hot hand lately. Oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. And I like their chances in, in uh, the SEC tournament. Um, I do like um I I do like uh Tennessee. I really do think they're really good. I mean their only challenges are gonna be Kentucky, who you can't trust on any given night, and Auburn who's kind of hit a rough spot, rough patch lately. So Yeah, Auburn's another actually no Auburn Auburn will be fine. Auburn's gonna be fine. Yeah. At six, I have Duke. I okay, all right. I had them ranked top four. Actually, I had them top three last time. Mm. Um, at five, I have Kentucky. Okay, I still think Kentucky I, is slightly. I, I would put Duke ahead of Kentucky. Yeah, I think Kentucky gets a lot of like credence from the AP poll for beating Kansas at Allen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was a dog. They were a dog. It was me. obviously like I don't want to be too homerish because I'm trying not to be, but it was obviously fluky. Like Kansas doesn't lose by twenty points in Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas usually doesn't even lose in Allen Fieldhouse. 
I I mean, but I mean that stretch when McCormick was out. I mean, he only played 16 minutes that game. Yeah, and that's why Oscar. I mean, Zach Clemens coming up will help if we have an injury. Say the Big 12 tournament, knock on wood, but we don't. But if we did, we could burn Cam Martin's red shirt. I mean, it would be, it would really suck for Cam Martin because we'd be burning his red shirt to play like four games and then he'd be forced to stop college basketball. But you could always burn that red shirt. Um, like we, we have options. As long as Zach Clements is healthy, we're fine. I mean, um, the big man depth really, really does scare me because. You go up against Kentucky again, or Gonzaga, I you think, know, or Purdue. I think I mean, that's going to be Zach that's going to be a big help. problem. Because, like you I said, mean, Zach Clemens probably won't play major minutes in March. And but I would add an addendum to that, unless it's against one of these teams. Like Zach Clemens will be pivotal in that he's a solid defensive player, great offensive player. He can shoot anywhere. But we're not even at Kansas yet, so I'll save that for. Yeah, save that for Kansas. At four, I have Arizona. I'm still not mm-hmm. completely sold on Arizona. And I have Auburn ahead of them at three because I think Auburn is a more solid team than Arizona. They've showed me more. The Pac-12, I actually, no, I think Arizona's better than Auburn. Pac-12 is horrible. Yeah, but, I mean, Arizona, they stopped four freshmen and have one of the better defenses in the country. They're they're holding opponents to 37% shooting this year. Yeah, but if Arizona were to be in the Big Ten or the Big 12, Arizona would have substantially more losses. Like, the Pac-12 is just bad. It's one of the weakest power five. It's one of the weakest out of out of all five power fives. And it, it is year in and year out ever since. I mean, they have quality wins against USC, UCLA. USC twice actually they've dominated both times. Don't you know not I mean, USC's I mean, riding the Mobley brother, and you know I've hated on UCLA all year. Like I think, I think they still are just riding like that hype factor from last year's tournament. I think UCLA is still they're going to be a threat in March because they have the, their team's been there before, so they know what it takes. A lot of I mean, they're been li- there before. I mean, they're literally. I mean, they're one. I mean, they're one Jalen Sugg shot away from, you know. Yeah, but like national championship. Yeah, but like Tech has been there. Baylor has been there. Kansas has been in the tournament. Like, I mean, they're returning. Like, but they're returning like the almost their entire team. Yeah, so did Kansas. Like, like almost the entire team. So did Kansas. So did well. I mean, yeah, well, but they didn't make a they they didn't make a Final Four run though. I mean, yeah, but they have tournament experience. True. Anyways, um, number wait, you had number three Auburn. You said yeah. Number four was Arizona. Yeah. Number two, you're not gonna like it, is he? Gonzaga and you have Gonzaga. Kansas one. I, I keep preaching the same validation. At least you know my motives have, are not changing. Gonzaga yeah. has not played like solid teams since the beginning of December. Like, and in those ranked matches, that's where two of their three losses came from. Like, yeah, they beat Texas, they beat UCLA, lost to Duke by three, and lost to Arizona and they, Alabama. Sorry, and they beat Tech. Yeah, I mean. 
Tech was their last ranked. Actually, no, Tech was not their last ranked. Their last ranked one was St. Mary's. So yeah, I don't count St. Mary's. Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't count St. Mary's. I'm talking about a real ranked team. Yeah, Tech was their last one. I mean, I mean, but Gonzaga, but I mean, Gonzaga does this every year, though. They they beat up on the weak teams. They play like a few power five teams at the beginning of the season. What happened they when they hit the to... best team in the country last year in the national championship game? They got absolutely yeah. slaughtered. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did, but they looked great that whole tournament, though. And, <laughs> I mean, and Gonzaga good just, competition. Gonzaga just lost to St. Mary's right before. I mean, how did that reflect on the AP poll? It didn't. Every because other the team because the whole every, top ten lost. Still, every other team that has lost dropped. Well, I mean, but Sky, nothing like that has happened though. I bet I guarantee you if Arizona beats Colorado, they're number one in the AP poll right now. I don't I, get, I don't I really guarantee. don't think so. Gonzaga is just like no Gonzaga's I, been I'm hyped like, for the past three years as like yeah, but, this unbeatable but, yeah, but, team, no matter how many times they lose. Yeah, but I mean, at least they get far. At least they're not like bouncing out in like the this first Gonzaga round. This Gonzaga team is not comparable to last year's team. Like, you lost Suggs. You lost, oh, what's his face? The other white dude. Kispert? Yeah, you lost Suggs. You lost Kispert. Those were your yeah, but two you still, best players. You have, Tim, you have Timmy. You have Holmgren. You have Rasir Bolton. You I mean, Holmgren is all right, but. Again, you have to look at Holmgren through the lens of a freshman. I mean, Holmgren's up for, for National Player of the Year, though. Yeah, but he's a freshman playing against this conference. Like, how many – I have faith in Drew Timmy because Timmy has been there, done that with great teams. Holmgren has not. Holmgren has not really looked good against good teams. Like, beginning of the yeah, season, I bet, Holmgren I, – I beg, I beg to differ. Early, early in the season, Holmgren was not thought of after the first – Two three weeks of the regular season, Holmgren was not thought of as in the running for the Wooden Award. That picked up. During well, but he still, but he was still. I mean, UCLA and Duke. He had, but he had almost back to back double doubles. And in Alabama, he had yeah. Yeah, you know who just had back to back doubles? David McCormick. It no. doesn't matter. Like it doesn't mean that he's great. David McCormick. I mean, but like I, I know, body. I know. But I'm saying like he can play against top competition though. It's not like you know he's just. You know, there's there's a sample size. Is what I'm saying. Let's look at this. There's not a sample size. Is what I'd say he's played three, four real ranked teams. Four I'm not talking about St. Mary's, who he got washed by. He was getting beat yeah. up on the in the yeah. post defensively. Like he was getting beat up. Uh, well, team was getting beat up. I think Drew, Drew Timmy didn't make a shot till the second half. Yeah, but he felt like. Holmgren fouled out. He had six yeah, points and six rebounds in 32 minutes. Yeah, their front court did not play Against well Texas, he had two points. Against mm-hmm. UCLA, he did have 15. Uh, and Duke, he had 15 as well. And that was against Paolo. And he played great defense against Paolo in, this, in that second half. Paolo's that kept him in the game. Disappointing. Alabama, he had 10. Paolo has been. Paolo's supposed to be the runaway, like, wooden, wooden award winner. Texas yeah, I agree. Tech, he had five. So mm-hmm. let's do some quick math. Um, five plus 15 and 15. 
15. Where else? Sorry. Took me out of the game log. 5 plus 15 plus 15 plus 2. plus 11. That means against ranked teams, he scored seven points a game. Well, damn. <laughs> and, and, on this well, season, damn. <laughs> and on the season, he scored 15, which to balance out against that seven, he would, I mean, without those seven, he would be averaging like 20 points a game. So like, I mean, it's just, it's not even a knock on Holmgren. It's a knock on just the conference. Like, if Gonzaga wants my respect, Gonzaga needs to either schedule harder non-conference games or leave their conference. Like I mean, they schedule I mean, they scheduled as many as they could this year. They're in that I conference mean, solely. I mean, you have one, two, I mean, you have like you have like four or five, you have five games against the little top power five teams. Yeah, but they're they're only in that conference to beat up on on bad teams. Like yeah, they're, they're they're I agree. They, they they should they should go to the Pac-12. They should have been gone to the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean they're they're in the perfect area for the Pac-12. You already I got, mean the Pac-12 uh, still sucks. I mean it's, it's not it's a good conference. Arguably better than, than but, the team that they're playing. So much better than playing San Francisco. Yeah, I was gonna say right now they're playing <laughs> San Francisco, who is somehow twenty-four and eight in that conference. Like this, yeah, and San Francisco actually might make the tournament. Right. <laughs> I don't know how, but they might. Because <laughs> I mean, you look at, look they're, at they're, they actually no, they will. San Francisco's a nine seed right now. Some okay, I, I really think the West Coast Conference is getting gets more love because Gonzaga is there. Like, like it's Gonzaga to, to State me, Mary's. To me, the NCAA which, has to validate why they put Gonzaga on a pedestal, and that is by making the rest of because you're telling me St. Mary's is a seventeen seed. Like, I know they just beat Gonzaga, but you mean a seven seed? Or sorry, seventeen. In the oh, AP they're bowl. a six seed. They're a six. They're a six seed. Yeah, I mean, you're telling me that they're really a six seed? Like, yeah, like no. I mean, listen, listen to this. Uh, Pepperdine, Louisiana Monroe University. Is that Louisiana Monroe? Sorry, I was just like free ball in that. It's probably wrong. No, it's well, wait, Louisiana wait, Monroe. I don't know. I thought Louisiana Monroe. <laughs> Say, how does that? Like, I was thinking in my head, how does that even make sense with the West Coast Conference? <laughs> and then you've got Literally. you've got Pacific University of I'll, San I'll, Diego. I'll pull up. I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, you got Loy- That's your Loyola Marymount. Yeah, Portland. Is- I mean BYU, but BYU hasn't been good in basketball since like Jimmer for dead. Literally, uh, San Francisco, the three seed is Santa Clara, St. Mary's College, not even a university, and Gonzaga. So, I mean, this conference is, I mean, I know I'm probably harping on it too much, but this is how March is made. And especially when you're relying on such a big factor from Holmgren, who has not played well against ranked teams, like, this isn't Jalen Suggs. This is why I said last year's Gonzaga team was so much better. Jalen Suggs was obvious NBA talent. Like, you looked at him, and he looked like NBA talent. Holmgren is yeah. raw. 
Holmgren does not look like NBA talent. He has not played well against good teams. He still needs to add like probably 50, 75 pounds to him. He's he looks like he has burned. No, bones. I just I actually just I disagree because Mobley is 215 right now. Yeah, but Mobley looks and he's big. the same and he's the same height. Yeah, exactly. You to, to Holmgren adds 20 pounds, he's gonna look like Evan Mobley. Yeah, but Mobley's his muscle. Holmgren has no muscle. Like, no, but I'm saying if he puts on 20 pounds of muscle, he'll look similar. Like, he'll be passable. I guess, but I'd like to see Holmgren get bodied in the paint by LeBum or <laughs> Jokic or even Embiid, who's also known for being skinny. Like, Have you seen pictures of Embiid his freshman year at Kansas? No, Jesus. I, I remember that. He, he bulked up. Yeah, he was a small, small guy. But he's a dominant force. I was at that game Friday when they played the Cavs. Yeah, but when when he's you look huge. at when you look at Holmgren, he needs to beef up. He's gonna get destroyed in the post. Like he has the height, he needs to fix the weight, and he needs to pick up better against great competition because he's not pulling against that great competition. I mean seven points a game. I think he's like seven right. points and like six rebounds a game. Like that's not March yeah, he needs he needs he needs teenies to pick it up, and I think he will. I don't know if Gonzaga is going to win it all. I, if you ask me right now, who's going to win it all? I don't know who is going to win it all. But um, I, I do. I yeah yeah, yeah Kansas yeah yeah I blah, do. Blah, blah, Kansas. Blah. But G- give me Zach Clemens to to me bury Chet Holmgren. To me, there are. Tehan, are you kidding me, dude? Put Tehan out there. Have I, you watched the Kansas me, blowout? No. And seen Chris Tehan? He has. A, he's a redhead with a mullet right now, and he is just electric. I've, I've never seen that. Oh, <laughs> well, he's only there because a of Connor Tehan. Yeah. I mean, no, but but for real though, like I see only maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Dude, we need to get Chris Tehan on the show. Ten teams could win March Madness. Uh, no, actually, 11. 12. 12 could win. This I think. I, I think twelve surprised. have a chance, but I think there's two. I think it's still Gonzaga and Kansas. I, I I mean I could honestly I could see a team like Tech making a run. Because I could see what scares me see, about Gonzaga, right? Mm, is mm-hmm. is that conference the opposite scares me like. It's the opposite of that with Kansas. Kansas has the hardest schedule in the nation. They play in the hardest conference in the nation. And I think when you look at how we performed against great great teams outside of the Big 12, we played well other than the Kentucky game. I feel like if you play a big team like Gonzaga or Kentucky or Purdue, I think that's going to be your – that's your kryptonite right there. Especially – Oh, Bill, Bill has Bill has been swept by one team in the rate – in the regular season ever. And I only say the regular season because if we played Kentucky, that would be the second time. And we played you know, those guys, we played conference games twice a year, but he's only been swept actually by two. It was two times, both to Iowa state. And that was back with George Nayang and, and that group. But that's the only time Bill self has ever been beaten twice in a season by one team. I still, I still think Kentucky would give fits, yeah, but and definitely Purdue because Ide is seven four, and McCormick is your only real big. 
I don't care what you say about Clemens. I mean, Clemens can I mean, not I, stop Williams or Ide. I I would agree with that, but I think the physicality that Kansas plays with from being in and then the their guards because I mean you've watched guards can keep you've up. watched Big Twelve games. Big Twelve games are dog fights. I, like, I I have yeah. There have been punches thrown that don't get called like every I mean, single big, game. I mean the Big Ten too. I mean yeah. Big Ten's no it's like, no cakewalk either. Like they. F- we physically fight on the court, and I think that's only going to help Kansas when you look at the competition, the physicality. I mean, you saw a guy like Christian Brown grow throughout the season. You've seen young guys come on. Dewan Harris is like, who scores on Dewan Harris? Like Dewan Harris is ridiculous. That's the reason why we played Baylor the first time. Baylor's guards didn't score until 25 minutes into the game, and but Dewan Harris had, had four steals. But also Baylor's guards are not the best in the world. I'm gonna be honest. Well, yeah, Matthew Mayer, Akinjo, like Blacker. I mean, they're all Flagler. Yeah, all I don't. I'm Flagler. not. I'm they're all quality. Flagler, but yeah. but Juan Harris had four steals in the first half, and the guards didn't score a single bit. Like yeah, but like if he goes up against Jaden Ivy, I would guarantee Dewan Harris at least gets two steals. Yeah, and then Ivy's going to drop 20 points. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's all fun and games till Ochai drops 37 like he did against Tech. Yeah, all right, Sky. Um, <laughs> let's hit a break. Let's hit a break, yeah, because someone's going to finally decide to join us. For the first time here. in months. For the first time in, yeah. He's out of hibernation. Apparently, he loves us still. I mean, you could I mean, he was out of hibernation, but he didn't. Still didn't show up. He went back that. into hibernation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's gonna be Macus's thing is just <laughs> coming in 20 minutes late. <laughs> no, not even today's 30, bro. <laughs> back in the day, it was only like 10, though. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, let's just shut up Macus while he can't hear us. Or while mm-hmm. we can't hear him. <laughs> so here's the first break. It's the same music we play every week because I forgot to add new music. And we are back, now joined, finally, by Macus Dinsmore. Uh, The best of the hosts, obviously. Oh, man. I bet the audience doesn't miss me. There's a reason why we brought on a third co-host, is he? Or Macus. Wow. I see how it is, Scott. (laughs) All right. So, NFL, a lot has been going on. Calvin Where do we Ridley. want to start? Where Calvin do we want to start? Yeah, we can start with Ridley. I mean, oh my. Calvin Ridley has been suspended for the 2022 NFL season because he was caught parlay betting on his own team. At least he was doing it on his own team. I mean, I guess that's the only positive out of this. Um, now, and Ridley apparently only bet $1,500. and He lost $10 million. And but lost ten million. 11, Eleven million in like contract money. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he took that time off in November for mental health reasons. So this makes me question if that was legit or not. I mean, I hate to even do that, but I mean it's true. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just this whole thing is just crazy. Like, I why why would you jeopardize your career like that? I, if you're I, young, yeah. I, I don't blame Calvin Ridley for this i mean with the way that this isn't pete rose this isn't shula's joe this is 2022 when even kansas is about to legalize sports betting 
notoriously conservative state. We don't have weed. We don't have any of that stuff. We were one of the first outlaw betting and even Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska and Oklahoma, even like the Bible belt is legalizing. Like, and I think the travesty, the whole, the tragedy of this is the NFL still trying to save face. Like they have to be this perfect, like poster child of purity, even though it's, it's one of the most problematic sports leagues. I mean, there's a controversy surrounding it every single year. And, like when you when you look at this, Nick Looney, who I've never read any of his other tweets. I just saw this one, so if he tweeted something bad in the past, don't blame us. He said major NFL suspensions: Ray Rice beating his fiance two games, Adrian Peterson felony child abuse six games, Greg Hardy beating girlfriend ten games reduced to four, Ezekiel Elliott hitting women multiple times. Six games. Josh Gordon. Or Calvin Ridley, 17 games for using FanDuel. Josh Gordon, six seasons for smoking weed. Like, this... This is, like, the biggest problem in sports right now. Because it's happened in in other sports, too. But the NFL is the worst at trying to remain pure. Like, (laughs) he... he When you put it like that... But he was basically unassociated with the game of football at this time. It was after he took that mental health stuff. It was when he was completely away from the team. He had no contact with teammates, coaches, anybody. He even said, he even tweeted out that he could barely even watch football because he was so done with the game. And he made these, he bet $1,500 for a guy worth millions of dollars. He said, he quote, he tweeted, I bet 1500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. I couldn't even watch football at that point. I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year. If you know me, you know my character. And I completely agree with that. Like Pete Rose banned from the Baseball Hall of Fame for gambling on himself to win while he was a manager. Right? You had Shoeless Joe. That was different. They deserve that. They threw it. They actually intentionally lost games. But... Mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley had was a glorified fan at that point. Like and and it wasn't as shady as the NFL made it sound. Where they were basically right. insinuating that he was using a bookie or something. He did it in a legal fashion while in a legal state, bet on a team that he had no contact with, lost ten million dollars, and then you're gonna suspend him indefinitely. He's not only suspended for the season. He suspended indefinitely after the season is just when he can petition to be reinstated. Okay, I'm look, he, and apparently he can appeal the suspension as well. He's probably going to do that. But my thing is, I I see where you're coming. I see where you're coming from, Stag. You know, I think this is it's a harsh punishment considering if you look at the context. But he knows the rules. Like you're not supposed to be doing that. I know it's his own team. I know he didn't have any contact, but. He knows what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do. It doesn't matter if he was away from the game of football or not. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the NFL has its rules. And, you know, maybe they need to revisit this when it comes to, you know, betting when you're away from the game or whatever. I mean, I don't know what, what, what they're going to do in that regard. But, you know, Calvin really shouldn't have jeopardized his career like this because, you know, now 
we like it's just like you said he's suspended indefinitely he's suspended all of next season for sure unless he appeals it and it somehow gets reduced but then he may even be suspended some of the 2023 season as well i mean who knows right so then you know you have a young receiver who's at the top of his game you know who had to take a mental health break and then you add that to this you know where we may not even see him touch the field till 2024 you know and i mean we could see just they just, could josh gordon just to too. Just to bench, just to bet $2,500, $1,500. I mean, he, he could have been a lot, you know, smarter about this and just not done it at all. Mm-hmm. You know? When it comes down to it, we're looking at the NFL as a whole. Sports betting as a player, it comes down to the integrity of the game. If you are yeah. betting as a player on the game, you know, there is a good question as, in, as to your integrity to the game as of itself. When we look at what the NFL did, were they right to suspend him for a whole year over like what it was? No. But, you know, if someone sees, hey, they suspended him for a year for doing this, nobody's going to try and pull, you know, serious betting bullshit. Right. Yeah, but when you look at it, in no one's context, ever going to try. Like, I don't think he should be suspended for the year. I don't I want to be clear. There's, there's I think the, he should absolutely. be suspended. If- he should be suspended a few games because you can't just break the rules like that. I mean, they, they clearly said in the memo that they released, they subpoenaed his phone records. They subpoenaed his teammates' phone records, his coaches, personnel, everybody. He had no contact with the team at that point. Zero. He hadn't even texted right. his friends on the team. Like, he was far away from the team, had no insight at all. And he had already been out for weeks, like – the, the argument of maybe he knew somebody was was injured and coming back or that somebody had a practice injury. He hadn't talked to them for weeks. He was basically a fan. He even said he wasn't even watching football at the time. And the NFL corroborated all this. Like, it's not like he was getting whispers from his teammates while he was on mental health leave but saying, you, but, but saying you still like, can't like, bet on the game though. Saying like, like it does. You pits, can't, pits you looked can't really good. You, you just can't do that. Like, I, and I get that he it's, didn't fix games or anything or, you know, sway the odds in his team's favor or influence the outcome. Yeah, Cause then I would understand him getting suspended for a year, possibly more because then that's a lot more serious, but considering what he did, I think three, four games is more than enough. You know? You're right. Even three, four games is a harsher penalty than congressmen get for insider trading, like for okay. genuine insider trading. Mm-hmm. So here's what you have to keep in mind. When it comes down to it, Calvin really knows he should have done this. It's been a rule since he like entered college. You cannot bet on like any sports games at all. You literally, as an NCAA athlete, cannot bet on any sports game at all, whether it's professional, whether it's a sport that you're not even playing whether it's, you know, lower leagues, like you can't bet anything. The other thing is, it's the punishment. Yes, you could say it doesn't fit the crime, but they're trying to make an example out of it. It's been proven in court cases in the past when it comes to NFLs and the NFL and fines and suspensions. They look at each case differently. They look at each case, um, you know, without taking other cases into account. They are looking at this case. They're saying, hey, we don't want this to become a continual issue where sports betting is continued to be done by the players. Uh, We want to nip this in the bud now and prevent it from being an issue in the future. We're going to overpunish here to just stop it for like the next 15 years. You're not going to hear of another player betting 
on NFL games, you know, from the NFL for the next 15 years because of how severe those punishment was. But how many players have you heard in the past? Like, it's not a rampant issue. If if something like like Ashua's Joe happened, like baseball did what baseball did to Pete Rose because it was a rampant problem. And that's why they overpunished to finally get it to stop. That we aren't seeing this in the NFL. Like, especially I'll just I just can't overstress enough how much confidence sways me in this, or how much context sways me in this issue. Like, if you look at it from the outside, you see, like when I first read the headline, Calvin Ridley yeah. suspended at least one season for betting. I was like, oh shit. He knew something. He bet he bet that his team would lose, or he knew something about the opposing team and he bet on his team to win. Like that he had insider knowledge. He didn't. He was away from the team for almost a month. No, like no, he had zero communication with that team. Yeah, but I mean, you know the rules, and you shouldn't be doing that. You know, like you, you, you can't just, you can't be willing to bet fifteen hundred dollars to risk your whole career, which is what he did, and it, it's the sad reality of the situation. Plus, I mean, I really, look at the fact he I, turned himself in. Like he came clean. He didn't try to hide it at all. Yeah, and, and then there should be, and he should be rewarded for that. He shouldn't have been suspended a year. I, he got suspended I'll indefinitely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, a year again, plus. I don't agree that he should have been suspended for a year, but it's very clear the NFL is just trying to make an example out of it to prevent this from becoming a massive issue. Ray Rice knocked a bitch out in the elevator and got four games. Right, like, but they look at different cases differently. Yeah, but but which is a bigger deal? Like, I would argue... Well, Ray Rice was a much bigger deal, especially with the context. Now, without context, it looks like for the game of football, Calvin Ridley is a bigger deal because the the headlines were all clickbaity, insinuating that he was betting with insider knowledge or throwing games or something like that. Like it for for the game of football, it is Ray Rice was a hundred times more more harmful when you look at the context of the Calvin Ridley situation. So, like, where I'm citing, um, the NFL looks at different cases differently. There was a case back in the 1990s, I want to say, where a player got suspended indefinitely for essentially, I think it was, it ended up being like flipping off the judges, like not the judges, the um, the refs during the game. He flipped off the refs during the game, and you looked at similar instances where this happened in games, and there was only fines of like, you know. Fifteen hundred dollars, you know, here and there, but he got suspended. Like, I think it was four games because this was a rampant issue with it. You know, they look at each case separately. With this situation, they they really just want to make an example out of Calvin. I don't know if it's solely because of what he did, you know, sports gambling wise, or if it's also. Like the NFL saying, you know, you pulled out of the season for kind of a bullshit reason. Massive quotation marks around that. I don't know what's going on with Calvin Ridley, but they may have seen it that way. And they just wanted to punish him for that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that plays a part in it because, I mean, that that was a major topic point of like sitting out due to mental health. I forgot her name. The tennis player that. Ron Biles. Did it? No, no, Naomi Simone. Osaka. Yeah, Naomi Osaka. Was it Osaka. Osaka before Simone? Yeah, yeah. No, Sim- Simone, wait, Simone Simone's was, was rumored to be because she was like, she was hurt, but not hurt enough to where she would be disqualified from it. Like, it was this big <laughs> thing. 
But yeah, Naomi Osaka was the first one to do it, and everybody, you know, called her different stuff for doing it. Simone mm-hmm. Biles did it. Biles was a little bit shadier, if I remember correctly. But mm-hmm. either way, still the same circumstance. And then Ridley did it right after that. So it was kind of like this wave of, of different athletes doing that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I could see the NFL doing that. It's the NFL. Like they're mm-hmm. notoriously conservative um, when it comes to those types of things. Not politically. I'm just talking about that. Those types of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see it being. The NFL. Do we want to get to the combine? Combine. What, what, yeah, let's get to the combine. What was a player that shocked you guys? Well, pretty much anyone who came out there and ran like a four-two anything. You know, I didn't expect anyone in this class to have that kind of speed at all. Um, especially like you're looking at the class from like an outsider's perspective at first. I mean, I've scattered maybe the first four rounds, but like I see three Baylor guys come out of nowhere and run like sub four four forties, and like suddenly I have to watch Baylor take them. So always interesting. Uh, for me, I think the I think the two Ohio State receivers really impressed me. Uh, Malik Willis impressed me a lot. Um, I. I me, I think he's the best QB in this class, to be honest. I, I really think he is, uh, even though this is a pretty mediocre class. Um, Thornton, even though his time wasn't official, that his speed was just incredible. I mean, he he was he was really, really good. Christian Watson as well was really good for the receivers. Uh, and the, the, the Northern yes. Iowa receiver put up almost identical uh, numbers to Christian Watson. I forget his name. Isaiah yeah, Weston. I, 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 yeah, I know who you're talking about, and I'm forgetting him too. It's weird. Isaiah Weston. Yeah, probably. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, the Georgia defense. I mean, wow. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, every one of the Georgia defense. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt. I mean, they. Why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those guys are going to be problems in the league. Like, oh, absolutely. For me, I mean, it was for sure Jordan Davis. Like, yeah, I mean Jordan Davis, dude. He four, I mean a four seven eight. He had a I mean, ten foot three like, inch broad jump and a thirty two I mean, inch vertical. I mean, a one point six eight ten yard split on that forty. Mm-hmm. And he, oh, and Trayvon, and Trayvon Walker too. He had a four five one, and he's six five two seventy two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis's I mean, draft stock was like late. Day one, early day two before the combine, and right oh, now he's, day, he's yeah he's, he's day one, solid day one. Like I would yeah, have him day. between, and 10, so is Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, I would have him. I, I would I, have I, Jordan Davis between ten and fifteen. If I'm, he's like, not sliding of out of. He's not sliding past twenty. I'll tell you that right now. So here's my thing: Jordan Davis is still my defensive tackle too, only because I've seen more pass rushing production out of Devontae Wyatt, his teammate at Georgia. Yeah. Um, yeah to the point where I see him as more of a complete prospect right now. Mm-hmm. And he's similarly freaky. It's not, like, too far off. I mean, Devontae Wyatt showed up, I think it was 6'4", 341, and then ran a 477. So, like, it's still similarly, like, freakiness. And But I've just seen more from Devontae Wyatt, so I have to go higher this point. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, 
that whole defensive line was just really, really impressive. Um, I mean, I think that pretty much covers the winners. I mean, we could talk about some losers here. I mean, guys who didn't really test well. I, I think Traylon Burks' stock took a small hit. Yes. I think um, – one... Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I think Pickett's – it was Pickett with the eight-and-a-half-inch hands, right? I think – Yeah. I think Pickett – people were overhyping that like an insane amount. We've seen quarterbacks with, quote-unquote, small hands do that. And I know he had some fumble issues in college – College is different, and he's he's going to be put in situations in the NFL where he's going to be on probably not a great team, but comparatively to his college team, it's going to be pretty decent. He's going to have he's going to have more playsets surrounding him that protect him from that. And I guarantee you, every time he there's a design run play for him, there's going to be somebody trailing behind him to pick up a fumble, like because of his hand size. Like they're going to have a fullback, somebody behind him. <laughs> to to pick up that ball because like while hand size does matter, dude can sling the football. Like it, it does not affect him his actual throwing. Like yeah, I mean, I, he's gonna be fine. I think people are just blowing it out of proportion. I mean Joe yeah. Burrow has nine inch hands. I mean it's yeah. half half an inch, dude. Like it really does not matter. And Burrow also had fumble issues. The whole point of the combine is to just nitpick everything. And like with his hands, the only place it like he can throw the ball, he can throw the ball just fine. He can throw the NFL ball just fine, even though it's a little bit bigger. You know, designed runs, he should be like securing the ball properly. It should have nothing to do with his hand size at all. Then, like, the only issue really comes if he's dropping back and his blindside protector is you know, dog shit, like Daniel Jones' his entire fucking career. Um, you know, he's just going to get the ball stripped every time because he's not going to be able to grip the ball. You know, when this man who probably squat, no, I don't care, about squat, he benches probably 555 on the rack every time, you know, yeah, but most you're not going to be able to do that with any throwing motion when they're hit, fumble the ball, like most quarterbacks do, no matter your hand size. Right, but, exactly. But so the, the issue with Kenny Pickett is the way he drops back. He's not got the ball in a secure place, and he's relying solely on his hands to hold the ball. So even if he's not in a throwing motion and he's just holding the ball with small hands, that's an issue. That's where the issue comes. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's but, also uh, like a technical I mean, call. Wait, Mac, is where do you have him among quarterbacks for you? Where do you? Have um, him? So I have Kenny Pickett lower because I have concerns about um, his ability to like read through progressions because uh-huh. he just he holds on to the ball for so long. Um, but I need to redo my rankings after the combine, rewatch some film. Mm-hmm. Guy, who, did you, who, did you, who was your QB one? Just so you're oh, uh, Carson Strong. <sighs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but I think Carson Strong might have been usurped by Malik Willis for me. Uh, the other thing is, I have Cole Kelly like very close to the rest of like the top six group. Um, he's got all of the throwing ability of the majority of the top guys except for the small problem he had in college where he decided to lift his plant foot like he was doing the thumb dance move back there. He was, like, bringing his foot to a 90-degree angle instead of planting it in the ground. And I was I was telling people, I had a friend who went to the combine, I told him, you know, if you go to the combine and you see Cole Kelly slinging it and his foot is, like, dragging on the ground, not, you know, kicked up in the air, he's a top-seven quarterback. There's no reason. Right. I mean, there's there's no chance that he 
lifted his foot at the combine. Like I've read, no, I've didn't. read, I've read multiple. St- he did. No, he didn't. He, I was going to say kept his foot on the ground. There's like they have days of practice before where they literally have scouts come in, give them scouting reports of what they want to see and how to change. Like the workout that we see on television is like their third and f- third or fourth workout during during Honestly. the combine. Like. The scouts just want to see that progression from their first workout to that final televised workout with, yeah. with the notes that they're given. Like, right. They, they like that's that's part of the reason why coaches love the combine. Some coaches, and especially why GMs love the combine, is because it shows mm-hmm. teachability at the same time. Like that was the main selling point on Patrick Mahomes was they gave him a ton. Like Andy Reid said, he gave him like a two page list of notes after they saw him in his first combine workout. But by the time the televised workout had came, he was it all of them, all those, like the entire two page list was completely fixed. And that's why they knew that he would train well under, under Alex Smith and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's like, they're looking for teachability there. So, I mean, that, that could also like be used as a strong point if he carries that past the combine. And it's, it's something. So that was an issue in his tape. Up until he actually went to two of the bowl games. I think he went to the Shrine Bowl and the Hula Bowl. Or if it, no, it might have been NFLPA and Hula Bowl. The Hula Bowl, that was still an issue. Then he comes to the NFLPA Bowl where he actually, I believe he won MVP for that game. He was keeping his foot on the ground consistently. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, if he can continue to show me this in the combine, then I have to move him up on my board because he's a great like throwing quarterback. Mm. He is throwing like off base every single throw because he doesn't understand the footwork. So that was tough. Right. But I mean, footwork is teachable. Oh, footwork is teachable, which is why I like, I've seen him like picking up that footwork and therefore I've put him up on my board, you know, top seven. Like I have a group of seven as opposed to the six guys that most people. Yeah. Um, Right. The, it looks like we're going to have to head to break here, but I have a topic when we come back about the combine. I want to talk about this linebacker. No, right. Okay, that's probably going to be one of our last topics. Well, we still had In addition to – oh, shit, no, we do. We still had right. Amari Cooper, Aaron Rodgers, Staley, and Kyler. Oh, wow. We can just talk about Dallas in general because they want, you know, Dak to restructure. They asked Lawrence to restructure, and he declined, so he might get cut too. It's – you know what? We can probably save. I, uh, we can just s- trade more. It's honestly we can save Amari for when free agency actually starts. Because that's yeah, that's when it's going to matter more. Once we see that first like initial waves, if he's not in it, that's when he becomes right. interesting. Mm-hmm. So it'll just yeah. be Aaron Rodgers, Staley, and Kyler when we come back. We yeah, and the linebackers. Yeah, and we are back here. Talk about Mackis thing. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about oh, the, the, the linebacker. Yeah, the linebacker. The sorry. linebacker class. I have some very mixed feelings about this class. Devin Lloyd ran a four seven three at the combine. Mm-hmm. So he's going to fall, you know, and then. <laughs> we'll keep looking for Denver to take him at nine. That's not going to happen now. Yeah, Nicobe Dean weighed in at 229 at 5'11 and then didn't run. He didn't work out, right? Or did nope. he? he? I don't know if he worked out, but he didn't run. He didn't jump. He didn't do any of those things. 
And then, like, you've got – so, right now, Chad Muma has to be my top linebacker because he actually did the testing. He actually performed well in the testing. And he's got the tape to back it up. Trey Anderson, like, backed up in the testing. But, like, you're looking at the top two guys, and they both fell. And, like, they were, like, looked at as top first-round guys. So teams in the need of, like, in need of a linebacker can wait on that because they're going to be available in the second round. You also got um, Brian Amoa, I believe. Asamoa. He ran, like, an incredibly, like, low 40 time, too. Like, it was bad. Um, Like, the 40 times for the linebackers were not pretty. Um, Aside from a couple of guys that have some holes – or need development. So it's tough to place this linebacker class. There's a lot of potential, but we could also look back and say this is the worst class of linebackers that we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and then you know, I thought coming in it was actually a pretty decent class, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It, it could still be. Yeah. I mean, no, but like I thought Dean would be a shoe in at the top 12. I really thought he was. Yeah. But, and then he tested. He didn't test. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he did. Maybe he's waiting for the pro day or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we're we're going to have to see that because it would have been nice to see him with that Georgia group. Absolutely. I mean, just showing up at 5'11", 229, that's not a good sign. Yeah, that's, that's really not good at all. Because, like, here's the thing about the combine. You know, everyone goes the way and says, oh, this guy's – heavier than he was supposed to be. Well, that's because he just drank like 15 pounds of fucking water before he showed up. Right. Every single prospect does this. And the fact that Nicobe Dean probably did this and then showed up at 229 means he's probably playing at around 215. Yeah, exactly. At 5'11". Yeah, Yeah. 5'11", 215 is like DB numbers. Not even DB, that's cornerback specific numbers. Yeah, that's a little concerning, especially because then how is he going to stop the run? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are at two fifteen, the majority of NFL running backs are bigger than you. Yeah, exactly. Which is not a good sign at no, all. Not. But at all. I mean, look, I really think that you know the receiver class really showed out. I think the mm-hmm. DBs showed out. Ed, the edge and the D linemen showed out, of course. And the, Georgia group aside. Um, Running back class is always interesting because there's always a group, like a bunch of really great athletic testers that don't necessarily have the best tape because they don't have the vision or didn't get the opportunity to be like third down backs. Oh, yeah. Speaking of running backs, I mean, Kyron Williams was really bad. Yeah. He had the yeah. worst 40 time. I think he ran a 4-7. Mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, a 4-6-8, something like that. Yeah, his feet, he didn't test well at all. I mean, mean, he's probably still going to be a late day two pick, though. You know who tested? No, I don't think so. You know who tested really interestingly, though? Mm. Gary and Ely. He Mm. tested out like 5'8", 189, which would would make you think, oh, this guy's just going to be a scat back in the league. But then he put like an 11'8 broad jump out there. And then you're like, okay, so those are power back numbers. Where does he fit in in this league? Because, like, with an 11-8 broad, he's got to have some power. Like, he's got to pack a punch. He's got to be like, right. he has yeah. the ability to burst through the line like that. 
but he's mm-hmm. tiny. So Jonathan Taylor. We, we just saw no, it, Jonathan Taylor ran like a four three John, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Taylor had two fifteen. He's that elusive power back mix as well, though. Yeah, yeah, but also but, Jonathan Taylor is 227. Yeah. And we're we're talking about a five eleven. I think he came in at no no five eight one eight five eight one eighty nine. Yeah, it's a really just interesting like set of skills. I don't know if he ran like the cone or the twenty, but I would be intrigued to see what his three cone and his twenty yard show looks like. Because okay, if he also has that change of direction ability, then definitely a guy I would take a light rock fire on translate to this league in very odd ways. Right. But, you know, again, coming from the Ole Miss offense, he wasn't really told to do much in the pass game because generally he was left in protection or he was just in the flats. And, you know, quarterbacks in that style offense don't tend to go to the flats very often. Um, so, again, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the tape definitely on him. I want to see what he brings to the table. And then those numbers are just – they really intrigue. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Sure. <laughs> and then I think the one last thing I want to mention about the combine before we move on, my biggest faller from the combine, Jameson Williams. Oh, not- yeah, I, and I came in saying I was not a Jameson Williams fan. I mean, no. I, I'm really not. I, I don't even I – I barely have my, my, my top six, seven receivers. Yeah. Jamison Williams was a raw, fast receiver. He had the tall speed market. And yeah. then he didn't run the combine because he was injured. And he showed up at 177. Oh, now. okay. Um, so he's, he, we, we knew he was real thin. We, but showing up 6'2", 177, we didn't get his official 40 times. But then, you know, we had, I think, you know, I, it's hard to put a number on it specifically because I don't have, like, the actual numbers in front of me. But what, we had, like, what? 15, six-foot-three guys running, you know, anything from a four-four-eight to a four-two-eight. Like, there yeah. is so much talent for raw, tall, fast guys in this class that Demo just fell. Yeah, and I'm looking at, Receiver that I have ahead of him. I mean, I'm looking at Wilson, Olave, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Burks, even though he didn't really t- test well. London, London. he's 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 injured, but I I think he's probably wide receiver one. Christian Watson was really really nice. Yes. Uh, yeah. um, you know, Isaiah Weston was six foot three and ran like a four yeah. three something. You know, did Tolbert work out. Jalen Tolbert. He did. He ran a four four four. I believe I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he tested well. I really he tested very him. well. He's a guy you have to have over him just like because he tested and he's he's shown more like refinement on tape than James. I really has. have I have Williams at like six or seven, really. I, I mean, I even watching his film, I mean, yeah. And it's it's even hard to have him there just because you know the archetype he fits. He's raw, tall, he made the archetype, and, and I mean, he had a he had a pretty he had a pretty good season. I mean, I'm, I'm not even gonna like right. hold it against him. He had a he had a good year. It's just you know, he's raw tall. Yeah, but he's also real thin. The problem is yeah. 
all tall and fast, you can at, like put a label on like 20 guys in this draft class that are that like Danny Gray and Velas Jones. They both had really good seasons, but weren't looked at, but they're both like six foot one, 200 pounds and ran four, three, nine, you know, and that's pretty much where JMO would have been, you know, what's the big difference between the two? Oh, JMO's 30 pound player. Exactly. I mean, 67. I mean, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Like you know, Devontae Smith came in thin too, but you know, I mean, he was much more impressive than Jameson Williams in my opinion. Absolutely. Coming out showed much more refinement in his game too. Yeah, the 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 technique, the route running. I mean, like especially like for JMO having been in Ohio State at Ohio State for what was it three years? Yeah. And then he was in Alabama for one year. Like those are the two best places for teaching wide receiver technique. And he's not showing wide receiver technique on his tape. That's an issue. That, that's a problem. That is a that is the reddest of flags. Like, all right. Like well, you, you I know Macus could talk about the combine forever, but we have. A, oh, absolutely. We still have a few topics to go. So, what do you guys I, say? Let's hit Kyler before. I have to dip early. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, so basically, or whatever you guys want, whatever, it doesn't matter. Would you rather Kyler let's, or Rogers? Let's start with Kyler. Let's yeah. do Kyler. So, because we know Rogers is a Bronco in two days. All right, uh, sure. So, Kyler, Kyler's agent put out this long memo basically saying, since Kyler has came in, the team has nothing but improved. They've added three wins every year. They are competitive now in a great uh, division, yada, yada. He wants an extension now. He still has two years left on his deal. Marcus, what does this say to you about, about Kyler? About just, I mean, do you think he deserves the extension now, all this stuff? Well, Kyler's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Kyler's a great quarterback, but you got two years left in your contract. You, you have no footing to be demanding a contract, really. And every year, it seems he has this small, like, tweak injury that just he stops running for like three, four weeks after, you know, he's healed from that. And that really limits his game. He, he isn't worth a massive extension. Lamar Jackson, he's not worth a massive extension because we've seen time and time again how quickly, you know, regression from these top mobile quarterbacks happen. The issue with Kyler demanding this now is two years left on his contract. He's being a diva. Like he's saying, oh, yeah. the reason this team is successful is because of me. And now he's threatening. It's no, not true. Not true at all. Generally, It's speaking. not just, okay, he plays a big part, but it's not just him. We've seen Absolutely. J.J. Watt, Buda Baker. Um, like DeAndre he, Hopkins. I mean, yeah. that offense was putrid when he was injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where and, was Kyler then? The biggest and now thing. Kyler's threatening to return to baseball. Like it's it's just so juvenile. It's just, it's just, I mean, here's my thing. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 you're good. I just want to quickly. I mean, look, I get the Cardinals were terrible when he first came. I mean, and then you know they've improved every single year. But the past two years, they've had 
collapses. Last year, they started, what, six and two, five and two, and then what, missed the playoffs. This mm-hmm. year, they started eight and oh, nine and oh, whatever it was. Um, and then they collapsed again, and then they get dismantled by the Rams in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, sure, you made the playoffs, but Kyler Murray is only like in three years, they've been to the playoffs once. And, you know, he's expecting Josh Allen type money, Dak Prescott type money, when he really hasn't earned that yet. Maybe one more year of high level play and not that midseason collapse and not that injury that, you know, he gets every year that Max just alluded to when, you know, he doesn't run for three to four weeks. And maybe we could, then maybe we could start contract negotiations. But the fact of the matter is you have two weeks, two weeks, you have two years left on your contract, right? You've had one playoff season in, in which you were terrible anyways. Your quarterback rating was probably like negative 52 and you weren't good, right? And then, you know, you think that the team revolves around you. And then I hear reports, you know, that he's like the last guy in, first guy out type of dude, you know, not really, you know, staying after, you know, watching film and stuff. I mean, that, I mean, that maybe whatever. I mean, that's just what the NFL is now. But still, you know, that doesn't help his case at all when he, when he wants, you know, 200 plus million as his next payday and then him threatening to go to baseball. I mean, that's just, I, I, I don't know. Looks this, like a this kid, situation. acts like a kid. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, dude's barely taller than me and I'm like five, nine, like one, five, nine, one fifty five. Like there's this, like, I don't know, man. Kyler just needs to, needs <laughs> to stop, stop, you know, stop acting like this and, you know, just play out as just play out this year. Get a high level. Have another high level year. Maybe win a playoff game, and then you can ask for a payday. Exactly. See, and once fresh off the bench gets big, um, we're gonna get the money to send me to Phoenix, Arizona, to meet with Kyler Murray, so we can take the Muggsy Bogues new bullfight. Okay. Yep. That's got to be arranged. That's got to be arranged with footballs, as opposed to you know basketballs. <laughs> I think Izzy exactly. brought up a very interesting comparison because I would put. Dak Prescott in the same category as Kyler Murray. I mean, what has Dak done? Like he's shown flashes of greatness. He's won one more playoff game. I mean, I mean, yeah, toe to toe with Rodgers. Like, I mean, once. he's won one playoff game. Like, Dak is has shown great potential. Don't get me wrong; he's a he's a really good quarterback. And I would push back on Mac is calling Kyler a great quarterback. I would say he's also a really good quarterback. But both are famous for collapsing through the season. Like the Cowboys are kind of known now for like they get off to a hot start and you're just like waiting for that eventual. Well, I mean, this year then they didn't collapse. really collapse. They just like you know had their bad weeks. I mean, Denver stands. They, they the rolled worst. over. Like they, they I believe did. they also started out maybe not undefeated, but it was like one loss or something through a good portion of the season. But no, and no, they're I, also I, playing I in the NFC East. So yeah, but. I would put them as very similar. Like when you're asking for the same money as Josh Allen, who just went toe to toe with a top two quarterback in the league in a playoff game, like that's not going to happen because Josh Allen has been to two straight conference championships or sorry, conference championship and a division round that was basically the conference. He's won a, he's won a couple of playoff games. Is, is yeah. The point. Yeah. He's Josh Allen has had success with a top receiver in the league. So it's not like the the playing field is uneven here. Both are decent, like above average divisions. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, of course, the NFC West is a better division than the AFC East, but but Josh Allen's not playing in some scrub division. Like he's playing in a decent division with a top receiver in football, just like Kyler. Josh Allen has shown the success worthy of that. Mahomes showed the success. He won a Super Bowl, won an MVP, got Super Bowl MVP, was given a payday. He showed the success and was given payday. And then, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. These guys won playoff games before they got their contracts. Yeah, and it was continual success. Like, like Lamar Jackson showed success. Lamar Jackson hasn't shown continual success. Like that, I think yeah. that's Kyler's biggest issue is his agent points out that they have made the playoffs once and that, you know, the team, the team has added three wins every year that he's there. That's sure. That that's continual mean, that regular season anything, success. Exactly. That's not continual success and which you're remembered. No team is remembered for a perfect regular season, except for the Patriots. Cause it's funny that the Patriots lost and, and yeah, but you also have to keep in mind it's not Kyler winning three more games each season. It's the Cardinals. The Cardinals. It's the whole damn team. Thank you. Yeah, but he has he has an an extremely above average team surrounding him. Like that's yeah, and then what exactly did he do without like because if the success was all about him, then he would have won. Yeah, and JJ Watt yeah. came back from a career ending injury in like what thirteen or twelve weeks, like. I mean, this is this isn't a yeah, scrub just, team that he's playing. He's not Superman with the team on his back. He has a not. great offense. I mean, his wide receiver three is AJ Green. Like, come on! Or if you want to put AJ Green at two, Christian Kirk's still there. Like, and Andy isn't a Isabella isn't like a terrible scrub. Rondell Moore like performed yeah. for. Like, yeah, and then you have good running backs. You have Connor and Ed. You had Connor and Edmonds. Max I mean, Williams is so underrated as a tight end, and he should get paid his, his offensive line. He's not running for his life every game like Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, the offensive line is average. It's not great, but it's average. It's not, it's, it's passable. Yeah, he's he, a he great time. He's a great offense surrounding him, and yet they don't win. And it comes down to just like as he was saying, it truly shows a lack of leadership from the most important piece, Kyler Murray, because you're seeing the collapses. You're seeing, you're hearing the reports of the first or last and first out that yep. has, they was, this was not just said this year. There were, this has been going on. Yeah. There were reports in college of this before the draft that people were worried about. There were reports from before he was a starter at Oklahoma to, like of of all of this stuff, like Kyler Murray has had these issues, and now you're looking at a chance or a, a position where he's kind of being seen as like uh, as like this great quarterback. And like I wouldn't, if I was a GM building a team in a fantasy draft and the league completely restarted, I wouldn't pick Kyler because I just would not trust him. Like there are several other quarterbacks. Outside of the top five that I would choose before him, Joe Flacco. I, I would choose. I mean, I'd take Kirk Cousins over him. I would take. Let's Joe see. What? Oh no! Dude. Okay, no. Kirk Cousins is somewhat of a leader. You got to give him credit. And Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins doesn't lose his team games. The argument can be made that some games Kirk Cousins doesn't win his team games, but Kirk Cousins does not lose his team games. Kyler does. Like. Mo- like most of Minnesota's issues this year were non-offensive. 
They were. I would. Pro- the defense was would, putrid. I could understand like Derek Carr. But what about Davis Mills? No, I haven't seen enough um, of him. I would take Derek Carr over him. I would take. Let's see. But Jalen Hurts. No, I'm or also like Trevor, a giant Jalen Hurts like denier. I, Trevor Lawrence. I would take Trevor Lawrence over him. Yeah, I would take Zach Wilson over him. I would what take about Joe Flacco. Well, seeing as though Joe Flacco is now an analyst, isn't he? <laughs> oh, uh, he played this season. Wait, what about um? I mean Garoppolo. I would yeah. take Garoppolo T- over him. T- no, I would not. Tannehill. Well, okay, but Garoppolo. Oh, I would Garoppolo, take Tannehill. Yeah, I would take Tannehill. But Garoppolo. It depends on the situation of my team. Garoppolo is like, nothing without Shanahan, and I can't wait for people to see Garoppolo, that. This, Garoppolo, this it completely depends on the situation surrounding him. It's yeah, he's, he's nothing without Shanahan, and people are going to see that. When, that's what I'm saying. The situation, like team. he's not a Josh yeah. Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers that could go to any situation and be fine. That's not him. Like Garoppolo, better hope he finds a way. He finds a way. He's, he's a system. I have a tough one. What about Josh Love? Would you take Josh Love over Jordan Love? Jordan Love. Josh Love was a different player in that same <laughs> class that I was yeah. confused. Um, he played at SDS. Uh, no, SJ. No, I haven't seen. We haven't seen Jordan Love take meaningful professional snaps really, except for that one game against the Chiefs, in which he didn't look that bad. In which he almost won. Yeah, I was gonna say. Right. Just made a few rookies. Jordan Love, he didn't or uh, I believe Tyler we beat Murray. them by two scores, but I would still take. No, it, it was thirteen seven. That was that 13-7. game, yeah. Thirteen seven. I mean, he didn't look bad. No, I'm not saying you look great, but he he didn't look bad. He I missed a couple throws late. I need to see him with more, at least half a season sample size, to be able to see. Because my biggest knock on Kyler is from watching him so many times lose his team games. So I would need to see how Jordan Love wins or loses his team games. Or at least, it, I'm not even talking about winning your team games. I'm talking about not losing your team games. Just like I said with Kirk. Like, Kirk can win you games, but Kirk is never going to lose you games. Yeah, I should Eli, say Eli never. Apple. Rarely. Like Eli Apple. No, Eli Apple loses your team games. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Apple got that perfectly tipped interception to him and just went off on Twitter and everybody just roasted him. Like it was, it was the best. Well, I think that's going to take yeah. us into our last break, where I will be heading out. Yes, it will just be Macus and I. So thank you, Izzy. Love you guys. Part time assistant co-host is my side. Okay, we will. S- Pussy monster. I will super see fan. you guys. Pussy <laughs> monster super fan. I will see you guys next week when Aaron Rodgers is a Bronco. Nope. And, um, yeah, have a good night, everybody. Kisses from Izzy. And we are back without Izzy. So we have one co-host that shows up late, and the other one leaves in the middle of of the damn episode. Yeah. But And we have one who's a Chiefs fan, so who's to say who's the worst? Uh, fair. I mean, people I thought only so. hate the Chiefs because they're good. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And because we're salary cap wizards. Are are you really though? Um, yes, with the additions that we have made recently. Okay, yes. before we get to our actual like last two topics, 
What were your thoughts on the Washington Commanders having called up the Chiefs to ask about Patrick Mahomes' availability? That, that was complete clickbait. They called literally all 31 other teams and asked for availabilities. Yeah, I, I still think it's ridiculous that you would ever call the Chiefs to ask, oh, hey, you, you, you're trying to trade Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, oh, hey, you have a top-two quarterback in the game of football. <laughs> who won an MVP at a Super Bowl before he was 24. Would you mind trading him now that he's 26? Like, <laughs> But, dog, I can throw in a seventh-round pick for you. Yeah, exactly. Like. So, do we want to get into... Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk oh, let's, about Aaron. Let's finish up that Cardinals, because I really want to talk about that oh, yeah. in office. So, reports came out that after the playoff loss, the front office didn't want to pay the coaches, their playoff bonus for making the playoffs because mm-hmm. they didn't feel like the coaches deserved it. And that, yeah. that this was big before, you know, Cliff Kingsbury got his extension, but Kingsbury was going to get it. His coaches below him weren't going to get it. Um, obviously, they, they figured something out, but how big of a factor do you think that plays in because of the fact that Kingsbury's agent represents Kyler Murray as well? All of this came out right after all this Kyler stuff came out right after it was you know uh, released that the Cardinals uh, were trying to evade paying that bonus. I mean, it was like fifty thousand dollars a coach. Like it wasn't even substantial money. They were just you know for coaches that like like quality control coaches that make you know seventy five thousand hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> fifty thousand is a lot. So like, yeah. Um. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know how much of an impact it had, but you know, I know that agents generally don't include their workings with another client. With yeah, but those clients are so closely connected. I I know, but like, I I don't know how much of an impact it really had, but I just thought it was an interesting dynamic that you know this came out the same day as that report came out. Yeah, and I don't know. the Kingsbury extension right after all this, like it was just really strange timing. But yeah, let's get on to Aaron Rodgers. Marcus, do you think we get a decision tomorrow? Uh, what do you think about the timing of this? As I don't know if you got a chance to see our show title today on Mixed. Uh, the one that says Marcus shows up late again. Yeah, it says Marcus is late again. Ridley is a degenerate. Um. Blah blah blah. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is selfish. Like, do you think? Because I mean, that's a big Twitter topic right now. Is people calling Aaron Rodgers selfish for all this? Like, what? What do you think? You're or like, what? Do, what do you think about all that? I um, it's tough. Like, I don't know what his decision is going to be tomorrow. I think a lot of people are leaning towards, oh, he wants to stay in Green Bay. But like, based on some knowledge the show has, does Devonte Adams want to stay in Green Bay? comes up obviously in question and then you know where would rogers really want to go like people keep saying oh rogers wants to go to denver like why would you ever want to go to denver yeah that's that, I always thought that was weird like you're going into a division that has three top 12 15 quarterbacks in it already yeah like i mean there's a reason well, why brady stayed in the nfc you know what i mean yeah exactly and yeah. it, it just it makes too much sense for him to not like 
it makes too much sense for him to stay at this point. And it makes even more sense for him to want to go to like the NFC South. Yeah. So he's not going to uh, go to Tampa. That would be really interesting, though, <laughs> to go to Tampa. I think the only reason uh, why Aaron would is if Aaron was in a very petty mood and wanted mm-hmm. to prove on some sort of legacy scale that, like, you know, Brady leaving New England and going to Tampa wasn't actually like this heroic move because Tampa was basically a super team around Brady. Yeah. The timing is what's got to be decoded for me because like I have a theory on it, mm-hmm. but Aaron is such like a, uh, a thoughtful guy that part of my plan doesn't really, I think he, I think he kind of stumbled into the timing that he's at by accident. You know, I think, he he went on Pat McAfee's show and said that he was doing this like twelve day poncha karma or whatever, like because mm-hmm. he it's it's Aaron Rodgers he's weird, but I think he kind of went into that and he thought okay maybe at the end of this mind body cleansing thing I'll have some sort of idea of what I want to happen whether I want to stay or where I want to go because I think it's four teams right now that are reported. Obviously, who knows, but the four teams that he wants to go to are the Packers, um, Steelers, Titans, and Broncos. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think he left that punch of karma still uncertain. And then I really do think the Bakhtiari wedding like, has something to do with it, where he, you know, he had the wedding the day that it was – that he was officiating Bakhtiari's wedding. He was officiating <laughs> it. And, you know, Bakhtiari had to come out and say, like, yo, this is my wedding. Quit talking about this. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and said, stop talking about this. I'm here for my friend's wedding. So I think yeah. part of that is also, like, not wanting to be, you know, if he if he makes that announcement, even a week before that wedding, like, that wedding turns into the Aaron Rodgers show. So I think he, he might have stumbled into that. Yeah, like you said, we do we did have some knowledge that Devontae Adams wanted to go to the Raiders. That was what, a year and a half ago that we first heard it. We we waited to put that out for like a year almost. So like who knows if that's you know still accurate. I I believe it is. Um, yeah, just based on where like the the only you know, thing that dissuades oh. me from that is like the pandemonium surrounding the Raiders because all this was before that. That's true. Um, and I don't know if it was specifically that he wanted to play for Gruden or if it was more so just like, hey, he's from California. Hey, he played college ball in California. Hey, Derek Carr was his quarterback in college. You know, like that seemed yeah. to be more of the thing for me, but who knows? Yeah, I think the way he made it sound in the DMs that I saw from him, it was definitely the Derek Carr, California, you know, mix there. But um, I I don't think it's – I mean, everybody's saying, like, if DT gets tagged, he's going back. If DT chooses to go to sign the extension – Rodgers goes back. I don't think so because I, it all comes down to that last dance thing that they all posted the day before mm-hmm. the season started. Yeah. Like, I, I I think that was kind of a message that they have figured out 
a way to leave feelings with playing with one another aside from their decision making that they were just going to do what, what they thought was best. Right. Um, I think right now, like I said, the timing is there. I mean, that is what it is, but I think Aaron also is struggling with the fact that he's played his entire career for this team. Like it took Brady years to come up with this decision and people are expecting Aaron to do it. You know, I think like when the season first ended from the day they got out, people were saying 12 days from now, Aaron will make his decision. It's like, right. Like he's expected to make that decision in a little under two weeks when it took Brady was contemplating this for three years before he left or before he left new England. Yeah. It's not a light decision. And I know Brady was there for longer, but not by much longer. So Mm -hmm. it's, I don't know. It's interesting to think about how do you think that that Broncos fit is like, I don't understand that it's a downgrade on, on the offensive side. Completely. And I you're just, going into I don't, a tough division. Yeah, I don't take on the Broncos at all. Like, if he wants to win, like, he's – right now he would be with the Broncos fighting for a wild card spot. And as much as, like, Izzy hates to hear that, there's no way that the Broncos surpass both the Chargers and the Chiefs when it comes to, you know, I think winning. They potentially pass the Chargers. Potentially. Right, but there's they're not passing both teams. No. No, that's right. They're certainly not passing the Chiefs, especially if the Chiefs retain their entire roster again, like they most likely are. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's – I mean, the Chiefs and the Chargers find different ways to improve the roster every year. So Mm -hmm. I think that limits the impact that Rodgers is going to have. Plus, I mean, you look at his other fits, like um, the Titans. If he wants to go to any any division of football – it's either going to be the NFC East or mm-hmm. one of the two Souths. Because the yeah. AFC South is – the Colts are decent, but the Colts are another one of those teams that are just going to crumble every time, especially because, you know, rumor is they're trying to move on from Carson Wentz. Nobody wants Carson Wentz. Yeah. So how are you going to Carson Wentz's mom doesn't even want Carson Wentz at this point, I swear yeah, to God. Like, how are you going to move on from Carson Wentz and become a better team and – I mean, so you can almost take Indy off the board if in that division if Carson Wentz is still there. So yeah. what do you have surrounding you? Jacksonville and Houston? Like I like Lovey Smith. I didn't really I love like, Davis Mills. I didn't really like hearing Lovey Smith talk because he straight up said on Pat McAfee's show that there is no difference between college and NFL. I mean he was a he literally sounded like he could be Chip Kelly, basically saying that like you know, college or professionals want to be told how they have to play the game. It's like that's yeah. the reason why Chip Kelly did not succeed in the NFL. Like, right, but Lovey also has NFL success back then. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but but uh, it, like I said, I like Lovey Smith. I mm-hmm. sort of like Davis Mills. I love Davis Mills. Davis Mills could have my children. And I mean, but I mean, who are you looking outside of Indy? Jacksonville and Houston, like Jacksonville could step it up. Like, depending on what Houston legitimately gets for Deshaun Watson, they could step it up. Like, I don't think that's going to move. I think what you're looking at, like the AFC South, is um, like there are teams that legitimately could be on the up and up, 
Whereas with the NFC South, you have like four teams like not on the up and up. They're yeah, literally but, like from. But in the NFC South, yeah, they could be on the up and up, but none yeah. of them are anywhere near. I mean, Indy's the only one even sniffing playoff contention. Like Houston needs significant roster turnover. Same right. with Jacksonville and Houston. I think it's very, 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 very telling with the Deshaun Watson case that Miami said they're fully out of Deshaun after being so committed for a year and a half on Deshaun yeah. Watson throughout 22 cases still wanted Deshaun Watson. And then all of a sudden they're just backing out. I don't Washington. think I don't think Watson gets moved. So you're looking at a team that could potentially if they made the right change that wasn't just a lateral move like drafting a quarterback or trading for, you know, a, like a top tier backup quarterback in Indy could maybe make a shake up, but I mean that would require moving Carson Wentz and getting somebody like Kirk, but then you've got that cap problem with Kirk, the same cap problem that you had with Carson Wentz. So it's just very weird in that division. If you look at the NFC East, you have to worry about Dallas, but I mean Dallas just cut like their second best offensive player, or it's about to cut their second best offensive player. Might cut their best defensive player. Like it's Dallas is a shithole right now. It's always been, but you know. Yeah, and like the Giants I had very high expectations for this year and they were bad. I thought I thought the Giants were gonna have a chance to contend for that division. Oh, the Giants definitely do next year. Let's be real. Mm. I, I'm so bullish on that with with what happened this year. Like I was very high on on Yeah, me too. Plus plus it's I mean it's the Giants. Like they had those two good years. Like those two Super Bowl years. And they weren't even particularly great in those two years. They stumbled into the playoffs both times. Like but mm-hmm. I mean you'll get the commanders who I agree are like one quarterback are like a quarterback away from being like not Super Bowl contenders, but definitely playoff contenders. But again, how are you going to make that upward movement instead of lateral movement when you have a middle of the pack cap availability? Right. Who else is on that in that division? The Eagles. Yeah. Don't I, I don't even want to talk about the Eagles. Yeah, they're not a playoff team. They got in because of their record, and they're another once again a team that needs to make an upward movement at quarterback instead of a lateral movement. Right. Those are the two best divisions to go to, the AFC South and the NFC East. Like, I'm still hammering NFC South over here. Yeah. But, But, I mean, you still have... Imagine if he goes to the Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's a free agent. Yeah, but they're going to get him back. Or they could trade for Aaron Rodgers. No. What do you mean? They don't nah. have the cap for that. They can restructure. They can restructure <laughs> the, like $120 million. Yeah, they can, they can restructure every single player on their roster. And Aaron Rodgers no, they legit no. them. Because like, Aaron's going to want to trade an extension. You're right. But, like, you can look at what the Saints have done year after year. They have, like, made every single contract into, like, oh, all of this money can be converted into contract bonuses without the player's consent, and it can be spread out over like fifty years. Yeah, but and that's how they get like. But I mean, that team know, is also dreadful right now with Michael Thomas being on his way out. 
room. But is Michael Thomas going to want to be out if Aaron Rodgers is there? Does Michael Thomas really become a decent receiver for a quarterback that can throw more than five yards? Michael well, Thomas. Michael Thomas is great after the catch and like short and intermediate. Michael Thomas is not good down the field after the catch. When when players get more athletic, Michael Thomas is not there. I guess. Like that. That's that's my biggest problem with him. But you look at that that division, and you've got Tampa, who is on a massive downswing right now. Tampa Unless went from. What's up? Unless they get Aaron Rodgers. Obviously. Yeah, but they're. That that division's starting quarterbacks right now are what Kyle Trask, Ian Book, Ian Book, uh, Sam um, Darnold, and Matt Ryan. Yeah, like I have it. Not with Ridley being out. Never mind. I was gonna say I have uh, the most faith in Matt Ryan in that group. Matt Ryan is like the only player other than Sam Darnold with more than more than. What five games of experience? Four games of experience. I do. I don't mind Ian Book, but I need to see more from Ian Book. Yeah, especially in context of that division. I don't mind Sam Darnold in the right circumstance. I know everybody hates on him. He looked good when they were healthy. He looked very good while they were healthy. And then once players started getting hurt, like his surrounding crew started getting hurt, Sam Darnold was of course bad. You still got Cam Newton. Hey. Yeah, that was bad. Hey, Cam. Cam, Cam. It'd be really fun to use Cam Newton in a way that uh, Raiders were using Mariota before he got hurt last year. It'd be really fun to use Cam in a way that um, the Jacksonville Jaguars used Tim Tebow. No, but seriously, like if you brought Cam in for like surprise sets, like I mean, that could be very successful, especially with a quarterback that you don't want down there like Sam Darnold that you don't want down there in like a 12 play drive. Yeah. Like Sam Darnold is not a 12 play. Sam Darnold is going to throw an interception somewhere in there. Like, especially if they're dealing with the perpetual injury problems. I, but I love Carolina's defense. Carolina's defense is why I had them rated so high for the longest time in my power rankings. Like I know you guys clown me for that, but their defense, I mean, Jeremy Chin and those guys, like that young group is, and then they added Gilmore who barely even played. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, all they have to do is hire Jamie Chadwell, bring back Cam Newton, and run spread option. <laughs> no, I seriously think Carolina could, you know, sneak around and win that division. Yeah, but so could the Falcons. Like, let's be real. This division is completely up in the air. Not without Ridley. Yes, without Ridley. They still have Kyle Pitts. Dude, and like, have this you seen? Is such a hold on, wide hold on. I need. Class. I need to find the receivers that are currently on their roster because it is Russell Gage. No, no, hold on. Let me find Olamide Zacchaeus, Frank Darby. Are you? Did you? Did you see the same tweet that I did? I don't think so. Oh, it was. Oh yeah, Falcons wide receivers currently under contract available to play in twenty twenty two. Olamide Zacchaeus. Yep, stud. <laughs> yeah. Frank Darby. <laughs> oh, absolute stud right there. Christian Blake. I would let that man tap my wife. Listen to this. Chad Hansen. Oh, is he one of the Hansen brothers? Like, mm, bop, dap, dap, mm, bop. I, you know that song? I, I, I mean, this is Austin Trammell. 
Okay. He's like, I don't even what know the f- he, yeah, he's the third best trammel in the NFL. <laughs> um, and Braden Linnaeus. Yeah. Yeah, these aren't even the practice squad guys. These are on under contract. Like, no. Without Calvin Ridley, it's it's no. There's a reason why when Julio left, Calvin Ridley broke out. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that makes, I think, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, even though Tennessee said Tannehill was our quarterback, they still called the Packers for Rodgers. Yeah. If I'm Rodgers, I'm still going to Tennessee. Just like I said about the AFC South, you have two, the two worst teams in the AFC, a team that can't get out of their own way, lost to Jacksonville in week 17, or week 18, whatever. Um, and you have a team that you're, you're going to a team where you have the best running back in the game. You have mm-hmm. the greatest receiver of our generation, like the post Calvin yep. Johnson generation. Yep. You have AJ Brown, you have a pretty good line. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a defense that's competent enough. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm Aaron, I'm going to the Titans. I agree. I can see that. All right, so I think that's going to do it. Pretty good show today. Absolutely, I agree. I think it's our first show in a long time over two hours, which is that too. Yeah, that's big for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to see you guys next week. Uh, Izzy already made the mistake of promising the listeners that we will. Uh, be back this time next week. Did he, he, said now? It, he said it three times during this episode. So dog did. <laughs> so I think we're uh, uh, we are obliged to be back next week. <laughs> it's Monday, right? Like I'm on break. It's Monday. Yeah. Yes. You know what sucks? <laughs> yeah, you have, I have morning five. Lit. I have a. I have to a five thirty alarm set for Tuesday morning. <laughs> okay, but either way, seriously, we'll be back at some point next week. We will absolutely. I don't know. That's going to be Monday, but it's not going to be Monday. I'll tell you that right now. Maybe, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll be back next week. Um, absolutely. If we're not back Monday, maybe we'll make up for Izzy's sin of saying that for like make maybe make it a long show or something. You know what? If we're not back Monday because Izzy promised that we would be live, we'll just play two straight hours of Pussy Monster in honor of the man. Maybe we'll, we can have like a longer show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do something. If, we'll figure it out. But, um, yeah. So we'll see you guys next week at some point. All right. See ya. All right. Well, we should play Pussy Monster again. Well, it's, he's gonna, Absolutely. <laughs> in honor of him. <laughs>